And thank you, worship team. You know, there is nothing better than sitting in the back and just watching people worship. And man, we're excited that you are here. It's going to be a special day, we believe. And, and uh, just excited. But before we get started, uh, how many people were here last week? Raise your hands. Oh, quite a few. Awesome. So you were probably here when Jordan kind of grilled me from the stage. Not? Okay. And, and some of the things that he's been accusing me of lately, I just want to set the record straight. Okay. From the very beginning here. Thank you. Thank you, Jeff. Appreciate that. And, uh, <laughs> he says that I'm not a hugger, for one, and my main love language is physical touch. So I don't mind hugging at all. Matter of fact, I had two hugs today already, okay? So thank you. Thank you very much. Yeah. And then um, there's been these accusations of me not, you know, being in touch with my feelings. I'm just starting to kind of learn all that stuff and things like that. So how many people know what this is? Hmm? Okay, say it out loud. What? Huh? It's a feelings wheel, okay. How many people were here a few years ago? It's actually been three or four years. Vicki, right there. She actually had this feelings wheel hanging on her refrigerator, okay? <laughs> yeah, and I preached about the feelings wheel. And so I, I just want you to understand, when I, you know, get kind of accused of these things, I, I feel like it's just time to go to the feelings wheel to see how I'm really feeling, okay? So it kind of makes me angry, kind of here in the red circle here. Which, which makes me feel let down. Jordan, I'm looking at you, okay? Which makes me feel let down, which makes me feel betrayed, okay? That's my feelings, Will. I'm glad we got that out of the way. So here we go. <laughs> Whoo! Ah, I've been waiting for that all week. <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, we are in week three of our series called Summer Essentials. And, uh, man, I don't know what your summer essentials are. Maybe for some of you, you know, it's flip-flops. Maybe sunglasses for some of us. It's, it's cool shirts, you know. I had to go to Meyer to find this one before this. But, you know, I, I don't know what it is, but there's always some of us have these, these essentials that we want to do during the summer. And as we started planning this whole series, we said, you know, there's not only fun things we get to do, things that we love about summer, but there's also some spiritual things. There's some summer essentials that we love to be reminded of and come back and say, hey, let's just remind ourselves of these summer essentials as we get busy doing all of our vacations and things like that, that we want to make sure that we are on course also with our spiritual lives. And week one, you know, the very first thing I talked about having peace and joy and that we got to make sure, especially in the culture that we are in, that, that we find time and we find a way to come back to how good God is and we have that peace and joy and then last week, Jordan talked about counting your fish and, and how, you know, we are, no matter what we are, we're always going to find some struggles. We're going to find some complications in our lives, and, and we can look to how, how God has come through in, in the past. And as the disciples looked at these 12 baskets of fish, said, yeah, he can come through. He's a, ma a man of miracles. And today, I think, is a, a, a teaching I've been looking forward to, and we're going to talk about this whole concept of interrupting Jesus, and, and I don't know if you ever thought about, you know, interrupting Jesus or not, but, you know, when we get interrupted, it's not very fun sometimes, is it? You know, I actually put this thing out on Facebook about being interrupted, and you hate the same things that I hate. You know, the comments were back, I just hate being interrupted. It's just it's so rude of somebody there. It's like they don't pay any attention to what I am saying or, or they don't care about what I am saying. And we've all been there, haven't we? We've been having a conversation with somebody, and someone comes in and, and kind of inserts themselves. And then maybe they even take over the conversation, and all of a sudden they're talking about themselves, you know? It's frustrating, isn't it? Because, you know, people who think they know it all are especially annoying to those of us who really do. And, yeah, and, and so, you know, or maybe you're in your office or someplace, and you're working on this project. There's a special project. You've got a deadline. 
and, and, and things are coming due, and, and you're working so hard, you're trying to concentrate, and someone walks in and just starts talking, sits down, starts talking to you, and no matter how you kind of try to give them social cues, they don't have any of that, and, and they don't understand that you're trying to get rid of them, and, and, and it just makes you kind of feel like, oh, I'm behind, I'm not going to get things accomplished now. It throws off your schedule. It's just rough, isn't it? You know? And, and I was taught when I was growing up not to interrupt. I was taught not to interrupt people, you know? And especially when it came to adults. My parents instilled in me, when adults are talking, you just don't come in and you don't interrupt them. And, and so here's what I kind of realized as I was preparing this whole teaching this week is that I do that with Jesus. That I don't want to interrupt him. Because I think, you know, he's doing so many things. God has got all these things. Look at the world around us and everything that's happening in the world. And, and, and my stuff seems so in, in, insignificant and so small that I don't want to bother him. I don't want to interrupt him. And so I just kind of let it go, and I go solve things on my own. It's, it's what I learned with my parents. Is, is I don't interrupt them. I don't come to them. And so I just go and solve the whole thing myself. And I've transferred that into God. And I, I think it just was shocking to me that, man, I do that more often than what I really think. I wonder what that does to me in my spiritual life when I understand that. And when I start thinking about Jesus, and I start thinking about his, his ministry and everything that he had accomplished, man, his life was filled with interruptions. You think of almost every miracle that you can think of that Jesus performed was basically because of an interruption, that he was going about his, his business, he was going about doing everything that he was going to do, and someone came and interrupted him during the whole thing. You know, he was, he was going out to do this, and someone come up and, and, and say he needed healing, and Jesus would take care of it right there. I mean, last week, Jordan talked about the feeding of the 5,000. He had his disciples in the boat, and they were trying to go somewhere else so they could get a little bit of quiet time, and all these people were there, and not only was he interrupted, he had to feed all these people. You talk about a major interruption. You think about the time when, when Jesus was, was sitting and, and the children were coming to him, and the disciples tried to keep all the interruptions, all the children away from Jesus. And what did Jesus say? Let him come. Let me be interrupted. The centurion I talked about a, a few weeks ago, you know, with his servant that was sick, <laughs> he interrupted Jesus saying, hey, my servant is sick, and Jesus healed the servant. My favorite story about Jesus being interrupted is when he was in the boat sleeping and there's a storm comes up and the disciples think, oh, we are all going to drown. We are doomed. And here is Jesus sleeping. And they interrupt. There's nothing worse than being interrupted while you're sleeping, isn't it? It's just awful. But yet Jesus took it all in stride. He was okay with being interrupted. It was almost like he expected to be interrupted. It's, it's just kind of weird, isn't it? He just rolled with it, whether it's feeding the 5,000, letting the children come, whatever his plans were, he was okay with being interrupted. He would change his plans and his course. Why would he do that? There's a comment on Facebook, and I just want to kind of read this to you because I think it's just, it's an amazing. <laughs> Someone said, you know, when I think about interruptions and how angry I get and, and upset I get, it just exposes my own selfishness. Here's what they said. I think my story, explanation, task, agenda, or plans are so much more important than yours. If I take a step back, I can see the interruption is God's orchestrated plan. Wow. How do you get to that place? Because I'm not there. You know, I, don't, I still don't like to be interrupted. But here is Jesus setting the example of all these healings, all these times that he was interrupted and just rolled with it. Why would he do that? 
And I think the explanation is this, is that relationships are more important than rules. That relationships trump rules. And it's something that I believe that Jesus lived by. Your relationship is more important to God than any rules that he has. And, And when Jesus had to choose between people and the law, people and the rules, relationship and rules or law, he always chose relationships, always. Prove me wrong. I look for it. Every time it was, if there was a decision to be made about the law and the rule and relationships, he always went with relationship. He always wanted to restore the relationship with, at, at all costs, and it got him into all kinds of trouble. The, Fadges, the Sadducees, the Pharisees, the rulers of the law, these people who understood the rules and the laws and wanted to make sure that it was black and white, and here we go. It got him in so much trouble that they actually ended up killing him because of it. Relationship. Trump rules. You know, I have, <laughs> I have a bunch of grandkids. I can't count them all. And, um, but I have two of them that are just, I mean, they, are the, they are huge storytellers. They, they have big personalities, and they, you know, they, they want to control every conversation, and their parents do everything they can to kind of slow them down and say, oh, you got to have respect. you got to have manners. And I get that, but I, I love them to death. I actually want to show you some pictures because I can, you know. And this is Brindley. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, uh, I call her my little hot mess, and as you can see, she, uh, she wakes up as a, as a hot mess. This is actually a good picture of her, you know. No, I mean, the next one is a good picture of her. There, oh, that's, that's, no, go back. There's got to be another one. Is there another one of her? Yeah, there we go. That's her, you know, with the hair actually done. You know, I didn't do that, trust me. But uh, she's just the sweetest thing and, and loves to talk, tells stories, and, and so demonstrative and what have you. And then there's Patrick. This is Patrick. You saw him a little bit ago. Yeah. He, uh, he, one of our favorite things to do is take silly pictures together. And uh, he's another one of those. If you're not paying attention to him, he'll grab your face and move it to him, you know, one of those kind of kids. And uh, love them to death. And, you know, and I'll just be honest with you. I can be in the middle of anything I'm doing, talking with anybody when we're all together at some... And if one of these kids say, Padre, that's what they call me. It's weird, I know, and we can explain it later. Um, I pay attention. I stop what I'm doing, and I pay attention to them. They can interrupt me anytime they want to because they are that important to me. And it struck me, that is how God is with us. See, there's nothing more important to them, and and, and you probably have the same kind of experience because you, if you have grandkids, you know exactly what I'm talking about. If you have just, you know, just regular kids, you know, grandkids are much funner, than, much more fun than regular kids, trust me. But, but, but they would call you no matter what you're doing, and especially if it's an odd time because they call and, and, and you're concerned about it, and you'll pick up the phone no matter what, won't you? Because you understand it about relationships. You understand about that. And I want you to understand that God is the same way with you. Because you are a son or a daughter of the most high God. And you will never, ever interrupt him. He wants to be that close in relationship to you. Because relationships are more important than rules. So we're going to hang out in a couple of stories. I want to give you a couple of stories that just shows how Jesus would get interrupted and how he kind of rolled with it. And we're going to be in Mark chapter uh, to start out with, so you want to get your Bibles out, your U versions will also be on the screen here. And I love how this starts out in verse 21. 
It says, Jesus got into the boat again and went back to the other side of the lake where a large crowd gathered around him on the shore. Then a leader of the local synagogue, whose name was Jairus, arrived. When he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet, pleading fervently with him, my little daughter is dying. He said, please come and lay your hands on her and heal her so she can live. Jesus went with him, and all the people followed, crowding around him. He gets on shore, and immediately someone comes. Jairus comes to him and says, my daughter is dying. And Jesus is interrupted. But that's not the interruption we're going to talk about. Because the very next verse, Jesus gets interrupted in the middle of an interruption, okay? Verse 25, a woman in the crowd had suffered for 12 years with constant bleeding. She had suffered a great deal from many doctors, and over the years she had spent everything she had to pay them, but she had gotten no better. In fact, she had gotten worse. She has done everything she knows how to do. She's she's spent all her money. She's gone to all the doctors. She's gone to all the right people. My guess is she's even been swindled a little bit because in this culture, in this day and age, there would be people that try to sell you things, you know, that wouldn't, they knew wouldn't, wasn't going to help. So here she is. She's destitute. She has no options. She doesn't know what to do. People had made her promises, but yet they did not come through, and she didn't know what to do. And I think so many times it reflects to us also in our own culture. And our culture tells us to find fulfillment in other things. That whole God thing, I don't know about that, but maybe if you just had enough money, if you had a better job, if you had a better relationship, if you had a better marriage, whatever it is, then you could be actually happy. Yeah, we always fall short, and she's tried absolutely everything. And many of us have tried absolutely everything. The story goes on in verse 27. She had heard about Jesus. The stories around about all his healing, all the things that she has done. She had heard about Jesus, so she came up behind him through the crowd and touched his robe. For she thought to herself, if I can just touch his robe, I will be healed. And she knew that what she had to do was physically reach out and interrupt. She had to physically reach out and touch Jesus. You see, being around Jesus is not just enough. There were all kinds of people there in the crowds, and they were all around Jesus, but she knew it just wasn't enough to be around Jesus. She had, to, she had to contact him. She had to reach out. She had to touch him. She had to be specifically intentional about reaching Jesus. That if she wanted something from Jesus, she had to reach out and intentionally do something. Not just hang around, not just be on the outskirts, not just be comfortable around the whole thing. I have to do something. And there was all kinds of people probably in that crowd that day that needed the same thing. There were people in that crowd that was hurting. There were people in that crowd that that needed healing. There were people in that crowd that needed a special healing from Jesus. But she knew that she had to go take the extra step, the extra mile. And it just reminded me that many of us are around Jesus a lot. <laughs> but we're not reaching out. We're in the same vicinity. We like all that. But when have we been intentional about reaching out and interrupting Jesus on our own behalf or maybe someone else's behalf? This woman knew, and she did exactly that. Verse 29, immediately the bleeding stopped. And she could feel in her body that she had been healed of her terrible condition. Her terrible condition. 
<laughs> and here's the thing, is that she would have been considered unclean because of the condition that she had. She would have been considered an outcast. People would have known her story. People would have known that she's tried everything, and they would have actually avoided her. But she is in a crowded place with all the shame, feeling unworthy. Have we ever been there? That we don't deserve this. But she knew that her last chance was Jesus, and she had to do something intentional and interrupt him and reach out. Verse 30, Jesus realized at once that healing power had gone out from him. So he turned around in the crowd and asked, who touched my robe? Listen to what the disciples say. His disciples said to him, look at the crowd pressing around you. How can you ask who touched me? It just shows you that there's all these people bumping into Jesus, not receiving anything. But this one woman, because of her intentionality and interrupting Jesus, gets healed. This is the only one that we know of that got healed that day. Because it wasn't enough for her just to be around Jesus. It wasn't enough for her just to bump into Jesus like the rest of the crowd. She had to interrupt him. She knew that he was the only choice. And I have to wonder how many times am I or how many times are you just casually around Jesus, bumping into, hoping for the best, but we don't take it to the next level of being intentional and saying, I'll do whatever it takes because he is my only hope. And I'm going to reach out. And I'm going to interrupt him. No matter how insignificant, how small, how unworthy, how hurting I am, I am going to touch him. Verse 32, but he kept on looking around to see who had done it. Then the frightened woman, trembling at the realization of what had happened to her, came and fell to her knees in front of him and told him what she had done. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Your suffering is over. Did you catch that? What he called her? Daughter. Because relationship trumps everything. Relationship trumps rules. It's an amazing story of intentionality. It's an amazing story of getting over ourselves sometimes and reaching out to the only one who can actually rescue us. But there are other stories and other people who can't even do that. They've been through so much that they, are, they, they can't reach out. The next story we're going to talk about is the guy who actually was paralyzed and he cannot reach out. He cannot physically do it. And there may be some of you here today that there's so much going on, you've been through so much that you don't know how much more you can stand or you've thrown in the towel. Maybe this is the Sunday you've walked in here and said, this is my last chance, God, this is it. I can't do it anymore. I don't even know if I believe in you. That there's been so much hurt, there's been so much stuff, there's obstacles. You may not be paralyzed physically, but you're paralyzed by fear. You're paralyzed by hurt. You're paralyzed by failure. You're paralyzed by feeling unworthy. And you're in the right place because we have this community. This guy had a community around him. He had people that knew that Jesus was the answer. He had people in his life that would say, I'm going to do whatever it takes to get you to the feet of Jesus. And you are in the same way if you're sitting here today and feeling that way. You are surrounded by people, a community, 
a dysfunctional, messed up, hypocritical bunch of people. No question about it. We've made mistakes. We're going to continue to make mistakes. But we are going to take you to the foot of Jesus whenever we can. Because that's what community is all about. That's the story. He had friends that was willing to interrupt Jesus no matter what it took to get him there. They weren't going to let him just lay there. And my guess is that he even, you know, no, guys, we can't do that. We can't, we can't do it. Some of you may be sitting here and thinking of, you know, I know someone that needs to be at the foot of Jesus. And God is placing that on your heart right now. But let's go to Mark chapter 2, verse 1. It says, when Jesus returned to Capernaum several days later, the news spread quickly that he was back home. Soon the house where he was staying was so packed with visitors that there was no more room even outside the door. While he was preaching God's word to them, four men arrived carrying a paralyzed man on a mat. Dude, we're getting you to Jesus. I don't care what it takes, man. You're on the mat. He's probably saying, oh, no, let's not go do that. And they're going and, and they said, this is it, man. This is your chance. This is going to be awesome. And they're carrying this dude and they get to the house and there's an obstacle. They can't even get into the house where Jesus is because there's so many people. And now, what do they do? They are so determined because they know the only hope for their friend is this Jesus. And I want you to understand we are living in a world where the only hope for your friends, the only hope for some of your family is Jesus. And what are you willing to do to get them in front of Jesus? Verse 4, they couldn't bring him to Jesus because of the crowd, so they dug a hole through the roof. I think that's against the rules. Okay, so they dug a hole through the roof above his head. Then they lowered the man on his mat right down in front of Jesus. There was no obstacle that they were going to, to let stop them. They were going to find a way to get their friend to Jesus no matter what. And that's what this community is all about. People surrounded you, how imperfected we are, but man, we are going to be determined to get people in front of Jesus. We're going to do whatever it takes to let people know that, that life without Jesus is hopeless. We care so deeply that we will do whatever it takes. We'll have a stupid water wars thing out here and get all soaked to do it. We'll run programs for youth. We'll run programs for, for children. We'll run sports programs. We'll do whatever it takes so we can rub shoulders with the community so that in our sphere of influence, we can tell somebody at some time about this Jesus, this resurrected Jesus that can change everything for you. We will never, ever give up. Verse 5. Seeing their faith, Jesus said to the paralyzed man, my child, your sins are forgiven. Two things that stick out in that statement. Their faith. Jesus said to the paralyzed man, my, <laughs> seeing their faith, this is not the faith of the man on the mat. This is the faith of the people carrying the man on the mat. Seeing their faith, he says, your sins, my child. Once again, relationships. Relationship is more important than rules, than cutting a hole in a roof. Jesus understood the interruption that he was in. That's what this is all about. That's what living for Jesus is all about. I'm going to ask the worship team to, to come back up and we're going to close in a song here in just a few minutes. But I want to ask you, do you feel paralyzed today? 
And are you turning to things of God? Are you turning to community? Are you running away from community? Because we see this so many times, especially in our culture now, instead of running towards the things that can actually heal you, running towards community, people run away from community. They run away from things, and they try to isolate themselves and handle things on their own. And I'm telling you, it's not the way to live. Are you, are you, are we willing to interrupt Jesus today? Maybe there's something that you are struggling with. Maybe you're the only one that knows it. You haven't told anybody. Maybe you feel abandoned, hurt. There's some kind of illness going on, a depression, anxiety, and you just don't know how to cope with the thing. And we know that it's not just enough just to be around Jesus. Being here is awesome. It is so fantastic that you are here in community. But just like there was people just hanging around Jesus and bumping into him, it's not enough sometimes. That we have to reach out. We have to be intentional to what is going on in our lives and around. And so I'm going to ask you to maybe to do something awkward Maybe embarrassing, whatever it is. But as we sing this song, for those of you who are feeling abandoned, hurt, you're dealing with an illness, you're dealing with an anxiety, depression, whatever it is, I'm going to ask you to do something intentional today, and I want you to come to the front row. And you can come in here, and you can just sit and pray by yourself, Kim and Barb and and Jordan and myself will be here. We're happy to pray with you also. If that's what you'd like, however you want. But I want you to be intentional. I want you to be like the lady who said, I will do whatever it takes. I don't care. I'm going to move, and I'm going to reach out, and I'm going to interrupt Jesus and touch him. We would love for you to do that today and pray with you today. And then others of you, know that maybe there's somebody here that's going through something and I want you to be like the men with the, with the guy that their friend was paralyzed I want you to go get them and I want you to bring them up here and maybe they're not even going through something I don't know maybe you just want to say hey, you know what I just want to go stand beside you because I want you to know that I am in your corner no matter what and bring them up here and we will pray together you can stand by yourself whatever but I want us to be intentional. However hard it may be, challenging it may be, I want you to come and reach out to Jesus. We're going to sing this song. We sang it last week, and it's a beautiful song. I just want to read some of the lyrics real quick. It says, I just want to speak the name of Jesus till every dark addiction starts to break. Declaring that there is hope and there is freedom. I speak Jesus. I just want to speak the name of Jesus over fear and all anxiety. He is the answer. To every soul held captive by depression, I speak Jesus. Your name is power. Your name is healing. Your name is life. Break every stronghold. This is where it starts. Will you be intentional? Will you reach out to Jesus today? Would you stand as we sing?
just want to speak the name of Jesus over every heart and every mind. Because I know there is peace within your presence. I speak Jesus. I just want to speak the name of Jesus Till every dark addiction starts to break Declaring there is hope and there is freedom I speak Jesus Cause your name is power your name is healing your name is life break every stronghold shine through the shadows burn like a fire i just want to speak the name of jesus Jesus from the mountains, Jesus in the streets, Jesus in the darkness over every enemy, Jesus for my family, I speak the holy name, Jesus. Shout Jesus from the mountains, Jesus
name of Jesus over every heart and every mind cause I know there's peace within your presence I speak Jesus sing this again but you can still come <laughs> there's power in the name of Jesus and you can break every stronghold every addiction every whatever it is and we are so much stronger in community this church thing is in culture and even in Christian culture is becoming passe but what you're experiencing today, this is what church is about. It's not about a building. It's not about four walls. It's about people. It's about a movement of people who are following Jesus. And as I said, we get it all messed up at times. But we're passionate about getting people to the foot of Jesus and celebrating the resurrected Jesus. The empty tomb is what this is all about. So let me pray for his Father God. I don't even have the words. But God, you know everybody's heart, you know everybody's need, you know everybody what they're dealing with in this room and watching online. So, Father, I just pray that you'd be present, that they would sense your presence. I pray for healing. God, I pray that the anger, the hurt, the unforgiveness would all be washed away. That through it all, that we would see you. Father, we speak Jesus. Because we know that that is where the power is to break all strongholds. We know that that is a power to, to get rid of any addiction that anyone is faced with. We know that you can heal in a moment's notice. So God, we lift all these requests, all these things, all these people up to you. We speak Jesus over them. God, we can't wait to see what you're going to do. We can't wait to see the stories and hear the stories. And God, I just pray that you impress upon our hearts to be as intentional as we can. And no matter what we are facing, no matter what we're doing, how unworthy we feel, that we will reach out to you and we will interrupt you at a moment's notice. It's in the amazing, powerful name of Jesus, the resurrected Jesus, that we pray these things. Amen. Would you sing these words from the deepest part of your soul, knowing that we speak Jesus together in community?
Shout Jesus from the mountains, Jesus in the streets, Jesus in the darkness over every enemy. Jesus for my family, I speak the holy name, Jesus. Shout Jesus. Shout Jesus from the mountains, Jesus in the streets, Jesus in the darkness over every enemy. Jesus for my family, I speak the holy name, Jesus. Shout it out, shout Jesus. Shout Jesus from the mountains, Jesus in the streets, Jesus in the darkness over every enemy. Jesus for my family, I speak the holy name, Jesus. Shout Jesus. Shout Jesus from the mountains. of Christ so beautiful, and it's broken, and it's ugly sometimes, and it's messy, and we sin, and we mess things up, but it's so cool as the community of Jesus comes together, hurting and hopeful all at the same time, walking, running, and sometimes just sitting in our suffering, but recognizing that the God of the universe, this beautiful God, beautiful universe cares so deeply for each one of us. And so some of you might have been uh, sitting there hoping someone was going to come up and, and grab you and bring you up. Some of you might have been sitting there so close to coming up. I just want to invite you during this time, whether you're watching in person or online here, um, reach out to us, Facebook message us, text us, connect with us in the back, connect with somebody. Because if you're here, you're here for a reason. You're created on purpose for a purpose. And we don't want you to walk alone. In fact, we refuse to let you walk alone. You don't get to come through those doors and just sit on the sidelines. You don't get to just log on on Facebook 
and sit in the back. I get to see everyone who logs in on Facebook. I know that's scary, but that's the power of the admin of the Crossbridge Community Church Facebook page. So if you logged on today, I see you. <laughs> and I want you to know that you are loved. So here's what I want to do. I'm going to pray and see us out and hang out. Um, if you just need to sit in the silence or if you need community, um, what's so crucial that Brad mentioned in those interruptions is that it is either person-led or community-led. And I know it's a lot easier for us to be approached, but sometimes we, often we have to take that step and reach out. And so if you need something today or someone today, please reach out. Please connect either with someone on staff, one of our elders, or someone that you just bumped into today. Like, hey, I don't know you. Let's connect. Will you pray with us? Heavenly Father God, thank you for mothering us with your nature, for loving us with your hope, with your Holy Spirit, with your peace, that you are the God who sees us and that you have created us on purpose for a purpose. And what we are going through gives us an opportunity to grow through it. Lord, you know the end of the story. God, we are just characters in that story, important in our chapter. And so, Lord, we hand you this book. We say, God, do with our life with what you will, surrendering that will for your will. In your name I pray, amen. Thank you so much for joining us today. Please be the church. Reach out and join us next week.